0: gender and sexuality, and whether or not these should be thought of as social constructions. Uh, It might seem obvious what two evolutionary biologists would have to say on that subject, particularly if we were to only give one-word answers to the question of whether gender and sexuality are social constructs, but we're not in the business of one-word answers, so we'll have a uh, we'll have a bit of a discussion. I do think it's a, it's a nuanced and potentially complex issue. So a fair bit to say there, I guess. So what do you have to say, Yoha? Uh gender <laughs> <laughs> Are gender and sexuality social constructs.
1: Don't so watch to say about well, this so much. Hmm. The uh, the first thing that I would like to start with is that uh, like, you know, we obviously now tend to dissociate, you know, s- like sex as g- and gender, right? Mm. So we say that gender is something the way you feel about, you know, what you are in terms of, I guess, sexual dimorphism or, you know, just... Like, it's hard to define non-gender without sexual dimorphism, especially like, but in, now we're trying to go into the idea of having... Uh, like continuous gender, you know, like the non discrete gender, but the uh, definition is still based on the idea that there is some, you know, sexual dimorphism beneath it. Uh-huh. Like it's still an anchor for the definition. If you remove that anchor, like everything else just falls apart, in my understanding. So, um, okay, so even if gender is the feeling that you have about, you know, who you are on this spectrum. What you are in terms of, you know, male, female, or between males and females or something outside of them, right? So, mm, we have that feeling, but that feeling is based on uh, what your experience as an individual and what you think others experience as individuals, you know, themselves. So, you, it's kind of, you know, how you compare your own experience to the experience of others. And... Um, my point here, like one of my main points here, I guess, would be that you have no idea what I experience of others. You yeah. cannot possibly tell what others experience at all. And obviously, no, science can have insight on this in some way, but it will never have, in, like, subject, I mean, never say never, no, but it probably will never have subjective experience, subjective, insight into subjective experience, right? So uh, nothing... At least now, can tell you what other people feel like in terms of how it feels like. Mm. So, uh, when you say, hey, you know, um, this is how a male should feel like, and I don't feel like a male should feel like, in my understanding, you commit a logical, you know, mistake Mm. because you don't know what a male feels like. You know what you feel like. You cannot possibly compare your. experience in terms of subjective experience of what it is to be you to the subjective experience of others what it is to be them so what in in what you can actually say is that i don't fit with my understanding my idea of what a male should be or my, what a female should be right so uh, the and then if you based on that you say then it follows that i'm not a male or i'm not a female Because I don't feel like, you know, males or females that I think they, you know, should feel like. Maybe the issue lies not in the way you feel, but in the way you assess what they should feel.
0: Sure.
1: Maybe you would feed into, you know, other people's experience of being male or female. Because I would, you know, argue that the experience of what it is, you know, if you basically take all the experiences of all the females across the globe they will be equally broad and they will overlap a lot with, you know, the experiences of males. And I would personally think that, you know, there won't be that much of a difference. So, but I'm... obviously, you no. Know, they go further and they would, they would say something like, but there are, you know, there is cultural um, kind of, you know, descriptions, cultural um, prescriptions of how a male or female should feel like. But in my opinion, well, it ties should... back to the same thing. It's how you, it's what you think about cultural prescriptions. It's how you code, you know, or like how you decode cultural prescriptions. Sure. Because, you know, I would think that a male should do this, but somebody else thinks that a male should be a hunter. And I would think that, you know, for male to be a, a scientist is perfectly fine. Or like, you know, male should be buffed or male should not be buffed. You would find a lot of males who would think it's not necessarily for a male to be, you know, fit and still be considered a male.
0: Yeah so uh, yeah I think you know your your initial point which is the sort of non-generalizability of the experience of any given individual I think is quite a deep point and it's very relevant here uh, I think it it potentially gets more confusing as you as you sort of try and build on that point because you start to confuse which I think is is one of the issues the difference between feelings and behavior so it's not so much that people can, even though they, they, uh, they might think they can, can discuss you know what society thinks about how men or women should feel, but certainly there is an idea how men or women should behave, and that behavior is, taken to be a reflection of the way that they feel. So people say, well, I don't want to behave in that way, therefore I don't feel like I am that gender. So I think a, a big place where the, where the confusion arises as well is, is again, like going right back to what you said at the beginning, is this distinction between you know biological sex and gender. And biological sex... Is clearly not socially constructed but the fact that a certain suite of behaviours or clothing or which, you know, the way you dress is, is, is a kind of behaviour obviously, but that a certain suite of things that people do are considered gendered, you know, men wear trousers, women wear skirts uh, or, you know, your examples, men are hunters women are gatherers, you know Uh that's where the confusion comes in, like that. The social con- there is a lot of this that is socially constructed, and it is the fact that these certain things are gendered. Now they're socially constructed to some degree. They might not be a hundred percent socially constructed. There might be you know deep evolutionary reasons why you know men are more likely to be hunters or even to want to be hunters, or maybe why men are more likely to want to rise to the top of corporate ladders than women. Um, But the claim that that is solely a male endeavour and that no women would want to do that, and therefore that that is uniquely characteristic of the male sex, and if you don't want to do that, you are therefore somehow not male that obviously is, is socially constructed. So it gets it gets very complicated because the degree to which any given behavior or you know desires that are man- set of desires that are manifested in behaviors or whatever, the degree to which any given thing of that kind is socially constructed is going to vary. But biological sex itself of course is you know something uh, that is quintessential of, of, a, of, a, of a category that is not socially constructed. And I think that's why people are talking across each other here so much, is that some people are saying, don't be ridiculous. Of course, you know, gender isn't socially constructed, and what they really mean is biological sex. And then other people are really talking about all these different behaviours which do differ between cultures, which which there's a massive spectrum across people uh, of both biological sexes as to which kinds of things they they want to do with their lives and so it becomes it's this very complex issue then when you wade into that area and people reduce it to a very simple uh you know yes or no answer about whether sex is called you know is, is, a, is a social construct and that's why people just talk across each other you know because either you either you say. Yes, it is, and then anyone who's more, you know, scientifically minded or biological, biologically minded, they immediately switch off to anything else you have to say, or you say no, it isn't, and then people say, oh well, you're a biological essentialist, or you know, people think that you are somehow discriminating against those people who don't really identify as, you know, culturally male or whatever. So, hmm.
1: yeah, but my like, yes, uh, my point though extends to the. Um, like the definition of you know what is uh, cultural prescription. Mm. I don't think there's a single cultural prescription because I don't think I, like, we don't have you know a compendium that says a male should have those properties you know A B C D E F G. We don't have that. That's we close. each perceive it individually. Yeah. We each perceive it in the our own unique individual way. And so what you think about or like I think or what would one think about What cultural, uh, you know, prescriptions are for males, it's what one thing. It's not what we as culture think. Maybe it's what your family thinks. Maybe it's what you know, like you know, whatever your you know, parents tell you, right? But it's not what we as culture think, because I would argue there is close to none of unique understanding of what a male behavior or a female behavior should look like. Yeah, we often have like a lot of very contradictory thing, you know, I, I understandings about it. And I'm pretty sure that you, for each, you know, given uh, example of like, you know, female should be weak or whatever, you know, submissive, or male should be strong and dominant. You will find a person who is definitely male by cultural stereotypes who won't fit into this category. Who like, you know, you would go into. Uh, I don't know, musicians, right? You will have, you know, some, I don't know, Jim Morrison, for the sake of argument. He's definitely not dominant, right? He's definitely not strong. He's, you know, I mean, he is, if anything, he's, you know, feminine in a lot of ways.
0: Androgynous.
1: Right? Huh? Androgynous. Yeah, okay. Yeah, androgynous, yes. Okay, but, you know, you can go further, you can find a lot of, you know, uh, females that would be you know, uh, non-feminine in some sense, but they're definitely females. They definitely, you know, identify themselves as females. They, you know, think they feel as a females, and they definitely know we society perceive them as females.
0: Sure. Well, so and I think that's exactly the point that people who tend to come down on the side of this being a social construct are actually making. They're saying that people are extremely diverse and so you can't simply lump them into these binary categories of male and female because there is such a diversity within each of those categories that the category becomes completely meaningless. However, I don't think it's true to say even though I completely agree with with the the details of what you're saying, in that there is a huge uh, diversity amongst individuals. And today, more than ever before, of course, there's this huge diversity in what people think, uh, you know, is is quintessentially male or quintessentially female character trait. But I think that it it would not be correct to suggest that that historically there hasn't been, uh, again... There will be many exceptions. There will always have been exceptions, but there has, and again, they are Venn diagrams, you know, which is a, a an issue that people yeah. have a difficult time understanding. But you know, and that they have overlapping parts. Uh, but there certainly has been a core set of behaviours which are more typically male than typically female. There have been very big differences in gender roles throughout our cultural and biological history i think so to claim that there haven't been because there's diversity oh yeah in no, it, I, wouldn't, you
1: know. I wouldn't have the claim yeah i wouldn't have the claim that they you know hasn't been you know because like you know people men would go to war women would go towards nurses most of the time right oh. okay there are i mean they are obviously you no know, different roles they were they were different at least more than now you know if you're a uh, female and you're wearing it you know trousers in 20s well probably you are acting you know probably you are an actress on the scene because otherwise you know people would be looking Mm -hmm. at you in a very weird way right now you can be anybody and Mm -hmm. nobody would tell you you know pretty much nobody will tell you anything in like even if they do you know it's not as you know society doing it's individual people telling you something so my point is not that it has never been like that. My point is that right now, mm. we don't have a societal prescription for a male or female role in a way that they won't allow for pretty much all-inclusiveness. So my point is more that, you know, people who say, you know, the, um, that uh, like disconnecting uh, biological sex and gender is an act against... Uh, societal, uh, you know, ideas of male or female behavior, Mm. in my understanding, this activity is like straw manning things. Like there is nothing that they actually attacking. There is nothing, you know, when they say there is societal, you know, the behavior that, you know, society attributes to male, society attributes to female, there is none such a thing right now. Maybe it was, I mean, definitely was, but not now.
0: Uh, yeah, I think that um, that would differ a lot even now between the generations. Even as uh,
1: generation societies, obviously, if you go to Saudi Arabia, yeah, yeah, obviously well, different. Yeah, so, that's we're
0: not we're clearly not talking about that because in in many okay. parts of the world, the genders are extremely rigidly defined. Um, yeah, yeah, But yeah, I yeah, think yeah. even that's, in that's, even in modern Western society, in America, Australia, you know, England there's there are a lot of people who would disagree with what you've just said of course well, i mean obviously yeah, that's no, no no but but i movement. think they they would disagree with it because they have a very strong model of what a man should do or a woman should do you know uh so
1: yeah, but, a lot of people are this still is kind of my point my point is mm. that this is in, these models are individual models and those models they won't even overlap between people who think they have a very strict understanding of what a male behavior is or female behavior is like even indi- even though individual like individuals can have models but you can't unify those models in any sensible way now
0: yeah no i think that that's true and i think that the reason uh people are so worked up about this at the moment is precisely for this reason actually that things have become so you know pluralistic that it's difficult to to have a clear model but or well, there is no overarching model but many many people are not willing to give up their requirement for a a clear model. And so many people are still experiencing pressure from other people who have a different idea of what, um, you know, they should, of the way they should behave, be it their parents, be it people that they work with, you know, their bosses, or any number of people who might have some degree of power over them. And yeah. I think that we're coming – this, this uh, um, society that you're describing, which I do think is the society that we live in, t- uh, is a very new thing. So people are still ex- – or feel like they still are, and therefore they still are to some extent, because this, this is just behaviour that we're talking about. Um, and that is just, you know, manifestations of people's feelings, as we agreed at the beginning – um, people feel as though they are still extricating themselves from a a bygone model, and I don't think that that's entirely untrue. I think that there is there are still enough people around, mistaken though they may be, that think there is a specific way that men should behave and that women should behave, yeah. and and that that is putting the pressure on people who who uh just want to transcend that to then have their own strong position they're, they're erecting a strong position
1: yeah. to come I, I mean man I can, like mm-hmm. i completely understand like this these pressure is obviously real but this is pressure coming not from society this is basically you know my point can be you know well down to this it's not a societal pressure it's pressure of you know individuals or groups of individuals executed on other individuals well, so hang the, on, just so the, let's without, stop, just yeah, stop right like, there because
0: tell me, you have to you have to now explain how that differs from societal pressure. So are you suggesting that there's no such thing as a, a societal pressure or there's no such thing as, as, as a yeah. cultural pressure? It can, it can if it's not yeah. unified, you're saying it has to be it, some, you know, single thing for that yeah. to exist. Mm, i yes. think that
1: that's a... like you know well, like i would say i would say that in order for it to be societal pressure yeah, people who execute that have to agree on specifics of that you know specifics of what male behavior or female behavior should be like and my point is that they won't agree mm. like some some you know some group will say you yeah, that you in order to be Uh, You know, to act like a male, you have to have, you know, a short haircut, buffed body, and be working, you know, as, you know, executive in some law firm and wearing a suit. And another one say, hey, you know, in order to be a male, you should be working as, you know, a carpenter. And it's fine (laughs) for you to have long hair and wearing jeans and being, you know, all kind of weird, Mm. but you should be working in the manly job that is, you know, strong and stuff, and they, like you're carving be, wood, you know? There might but be core components those like of two, those two different models. Yeah, but models. are like two completely different understandings, right? They don't agree. And hang, uh, hang on, hang on. They
0: might not agree like, on specifics. So they might, you know, they might say, these are two very different jobs, these are two very different things, but they still might have a core sense of masculinity, which actually does overlap. So, I, you know I, I'm not sure that I
1: don't, I don't see I don't see how they have a core of masculinity I don't see how you know how what's the, like what's similar between those guys you have a businessman wearing a suit and being you know like reasonably unhealthy and being you know like going to you know his job from whatever nine to five every day in the office to a person who is you know building a road or whatever mm. he's doing and being really you know like masculine, yeah, in you, you like know, some primeval sense. Yeah, there could, so, there could
0: be many things that that, manifest, that um, unite those people on on other levels. Uh, it could be that they are, you know, classically both breadwinners for their families. Uh, it could be that they um, are really into sports. It could be that mm-hmm. they'll both get called up in in the draft if there's another world war. I mean, there could be any number of things yeah, that your yeah, very that, shallow that, description that, yeah. doesn't encompass.
1: Yeah. Uh, however, what I'm what I'm my my point is that I mean, like there obviously, you know, if there is conscription. We still have you know male predominantly male conscription, and I mean there are certain things that you we know. Never had any society, conscription for a while, but yeah.
0: What. I said we haven't had any conscription for quite some time in the, you know, the, the major societies that we're talking about. But, yeah, sorry, go on.
1: Wait, wait, wait and if there is a war, yeah. you know, there will be uh, conscription. And, you know, like there are, you know, things that, you know, if you're growing a like a kid, it has to be, you know, a female job to grow a kid, right? Um,
0: but – And by the – you know, to use your example, both of those guys probably are still wearing pants and not skirts to work. Um. You know, so they're, they're... Yeah.
1: Okay. That's 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 a fine point. That if you wear, if you want to wear a skirt, then yeah, I guess. Okay, I'll give you, I'll give you that. That if you're wearing a skirt, but then people will be like, yeah, you're either gay or you know weird or. But definitely like that's not, definitely not a male thing so unless think... you obviously know uh, a skirt and you're wearing a kilt. Sure. I so... think this would
0: be a good place just to to pause for a second and also to bring sexuality into the discussion because another key thing that most people are going to think unites your carpenter and your um, your businessman. And by the way, I thought your businessman was a gym junkie initially and then you said that he's doing something relatively unhealthy. But anyway, we won't go there. Another thing that uh, is wait, likely... Yeah, I, I think I did say <laughs> that he was like, you know, yeah, buff. He was all buff. Yeah, man,
1: might my...
0: have... Another thing that, that is likely to unite those, uh, you know, two men is that they are attracted to women uh, or another thing that is likely to be a characteristic that most people associate with maleness or masculinity is a certain sexuality heterosexuality therefore attraction to yeah. women so i think that okay. sexuality is very wrapped up in this as well and like you said if you're wearing a skirt people are going to assume that you're gay well what if you just like wearing a skirt yeah uh, so i mean
1: yeah yeah okay but, like there are obviously you no know, some you know like remnants of our under- of uh, you Know what a male should be like, yes. Okay, skirt would be there. Okay, if there is anything that people would be united of, I guess that'll be that. Um, so, uh, so just with the, with the sexuality, though, it's really like you know, it's built biologically speaking, it's basically impossible to tease sexuality and biological sex, like, it's you know, inevitably that you will have uh biological sex is because it's you know the idea behind biological sex mm. is that you know it's for copulation it's for you know mixture of genes and it just so happens that reproduction in animals happens between in like in pretty much every everybody on planet earth happens between two sexes and so if you're of one sex the you are defined by the um the way you interact with the opposite sex like this is what defines you as a biological sex okay yeah but so, not
0: all sexual acts are reproductive and you know sex is a, is a pleasurable activity to engage in and and many you know probably most of the sex that happens in the western world these days is non-reproductive in terms yeah. of you know incidents of sex yeah.
1: um so but you would think that in That's also not dramatically different. Well, we know that in a lot of
0: animals there is a lot of, uh, you know, homosexuality. There's a lot of intra-sexual sexual uh, sexual acts. So when we talk about yeah, I think
1: think like like on average in mammals it's like ten percent or something. I
0: think. So when we when we talk about sexuality uh, and whether or not that is a social construct. It's more, I guess, to do with whether or you know people label themselves really strictly as heterosexual yeah. or bisexual or um, you know gay, homosexual, and it's you know again, well Gore Vidal had a way of, of of talking about this, and he said that basically we're all pansexual, which means that you know have sex with with anything I guess he was mostly just speaking for himself but um but that these you know any other you know heterosexual uh, bisexual or, or homosexual as strict categories were just social constructions um I mean how do you feel about that claim
1: like in some sense I would, I would like I would probably you know tend to agree in a way like I would still say that I would expect that in vacuum given no restrictions whatsoever, Males, on average, would be predominantly having sex with females. Sure, predominantly, but Uh, if they they had some, the way just, but yeah, Yeah. absolutely, maybe like again, it doesn't mean that like individual male on average won't have homosexual, you know, uh, contacts. It's not like I don't know, maybe no. it, it can be that even, you know, on average individual male will have like 10% of his sexual activity will be, you know, homosexual, mm. even given no restrictions whatsoever, right? Yeah. But the idea still stands that the majority of, uh you know, male sexual activity will be directed predominantly yeah. towards females. However, the idea about that, you know, if you're a male, you are strictly heterosexual, mm-hmm. or if you're, you know, if you're having any kind of, you know, homosexual conflicts, you are defined as homosexual. Mm. Like, this is obviously no social construct, because we have, uh, you know, societies, I don't know, freaking Athens, right, ancient Greeks. Mm. They would be, they would have completely different view on that. And, you know, their views will be very different to that of Spartans, right? Spartans be like, you, you can have homosexual conflicts, but, you know, you are still kind of, you know, Heterosexual almost strictly, uh, but even those patterns weren't almost like that. But in Athens, it's like, yeah, it's anything like kind of a free for all, right? Sure, in in, even even more so, like you are somewhat like if you are a um boy apprentice to some you know old and wise dude, you kind of expected to have sexual uh, contacts Well, and that's another,
0: I mean, maybe we'll get there, but that's a different issue again, um. Then, like the
1: point is that they all social constructs. They constructed this stuff, this idea, right? The strict labeling, the strict borders within mm-hmm. human sexuality. Mm-hmm. They, I would think, that they are social constructs. But the tendency of a male to have predominantly heterosexual yeah. activity is biological.
0: Sure. So, I, um, as someone else said, I think you know, I can't remember exactly what was, but you know, it's not it's not exactly a spectrum in the sense that you know people aren't equally distributed along this spectrum, absolutely, Uh, you know, men are much more likely to be attracted to women. And, of course, we haven't dealt with whether the categories of man and woman are, you know, socially constructed, but biologically male people are more likely to have sexual desires for biologically female people and vice versa for, you know, pretty obvious biological reasons, as you have pointed out but i think that this this the the strictness of the categories which we've agreed is socially constructed is something which causes a lot of harm i should think you know it causes a lot of suffering because you have you know people who who desperately want to fit in to this you know socially accepted norm of maleness let's say which is being attracted to women and only attracted to women and who, you know, had occasional thoughts of, of you know, finding men attractive or, or even engaged in some sexual activities with other men and they find this, this can, can haunt people. Uh, it can be very, very difficult for them. And, of course, you know, if they come out to their families, well, they feel that then maybe they are, in fact, homosexual and they're not into women at all. And then if they have to come out to their families on that issue, you know, this can cause a great deal of, of anguish to both them and, you know, their loved ones.
1: Um, yeah, and I mean, like, obviously, you know, like, those problems are real problems, mm. you know, nobody would, you know, with the same mindset that those problems are not real, and those people are not suffering. I guess, you know, my philosophical point isn't that, you know, hey, you know, just kind of ignore all the suffering, it's all illusional. No, not at all. My point is that for, uh, not for individual salvation, but even though I think for individual salvation as well, but for, you know the way for us as humanity to go you know and change it for the better is not to create additional labels it's not to you know hey say no you know gender is not binary gender is like you know in there are four or five or whatever however many uh ways to be to experience gender no there are seven billion ways to experience gender (laughs) Mm. there are seven billion ways to experience sexuality Mm. like the, if unless you, you, you unless you you know measure the you know biological sense as your thing, if you want to go into something subjective, then you have seven billion categories. You have as many categories as there are humans in the world. And the uh, I think like what you said, you know, the desire to fit in like this is the issue. Mm. You don't want to. You should not want to fit into somebody else's understanding of what you should be
0: yeah right so i mean that that desire is influenced by the desire of others that are close to you or not to have you fit in so it's it's a desire i mean it goes both ways it's a desire to fit in and it's also a desire that other people have for you to fit in like your parents who are going to be mortified if you don't fit into some category or whatever it might be
1: Yeah. yeah and like the the way out is to be like, hey, you know, I am me, you know, I'm doing this, you know, I'm having sex with those people whom I choose to have sex with. Mm-hmm. It doesn't define me mm-hmm. because what defines me is me. Not, you know, my sexual preferences, they don't define me. My, you know, the way I behave, My you know, it doesn't define me because what defines me is like the body that I'm in, you know, the sure. individuality of myself. Sure. This is what defines me. nothing else. And, you know, then my sexual practices can change over a t- lifetime, you know? So, it doesn't mean that I am changing in the way that, you know, in the I meaning. Like, it's not that, you know, some person ceases to be and another person, you know, you know, becomes after it, right? So, like, the... Be, yeah, no, I'm just, like, labeling yourself with any labels is basically, you know, restricting yourself. Is yes. You know... But okay. like binding yourself for binding yourself for the sake of others' understanding. Sure. And yeah. okay, okay, I get I get that,
0: and I mean I, I I basically agree with with everything that you're saying. However, you know I want to ask a, you know another question. Being you know I seem to be in the role of devil's advocate here, even though we're not playing that game. But um, what about the work? In society, in making cohesive societies, or in psychology, in making cohesive psyches, what about the work that labelling and categorising things or creating identities actually does? So many people would say that if we give up these uh, categories that humanity you know is divided into which perhaps have evolved over long periods of time like the different roles of the genders in societies have evolved over cultural evolutionary time if we simply discard these categories and these labels that people aren't really going to know what to do with themselves and that we're going to find you know certain key roles that are required for the the functioning of a society or certain key concepts that are required for the unity of a psyche. Uh, if we lose those things, we're going to have some sort of, of of breakdown. Of course, that's what conservatives are essentially frightened of, in in in, in all these senses, and you know many yeah, of which I we've know. discussed on on this uh, on this podcast many times. You know, they are saying these I'm these.
1: Str- yeah, you strongly disagree. Is that what you I said? strongly disagree with the notion i mean my i mean i can't you know i have you know obviously my personal experience to judge from but i don't label myself anything i mean at least not consciously not that i'm aware of i don't care about you know people labeling me male female i don't know like you know i'm me and uh like you know i don't label myself as biologist i work as a biologist but this is you know my work it's not me and uh you know i can paint but i'm not a painter right Mm -hmm. i paint and so i do actions but those actions don't put labels on me at least i like in you know it doesn't in any way it prevents me from connecting to people you know when i'm together with my friends or when i'm you know whatever but then like playing a game with some people or you know singing with them in karaoke right I still connect them as you know. Humans is like individuals connect because for connection you don't have to have a label. Animals do perfectly fine without any labels whatsoever. Most of animals, except for us, and yeah, that's uh, well, that's, like, clearly so a that's clearly a non
0: sequitur. That's clearly a non sequitur. I mean, yeah, I'm,
1: I'm, my point I'm... is that you know your connection, your connection is pre-social. The way to con- not pre-social, pre-verbal. The way you connect to other humans is by doing the same activity or, you know, like belonging to a group that's doing the same activity. But you don't have to label yourself as belonging to that group. Sure. I mean, yes. like It if that, if that does nothing. It's tangential. It's like you are connected within that group, whether you label as one or not, because you are just within that group doing certain thing. But then you exit that group and go to other group and connect perfectly with them sure
0: although i mean there are, again i agree but there are obviously caveats that you will need some kind of label in order to communicate with people in advance not that you necessarily are a you know karaokeist but that you are interested in going to karaoke uh so yeah you
1: can you know, so, I'm just in karaoke, or you know, when it, when you're having a conversation with a person and it's you know become becomes a conversation about science or biology, you know, I have an option of say, "Hey, I'm a biologist, and this is da 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 da, right?" So you'll say, use you know, it.
0: you use it to invoke your authority, <laughs> you I,
1: yeah, I mean, I can, I can right, I can use it right. It's a useful tool, obviously, for conversations. Yes, but my point mm. is that it doesn't have to be. It's not the only tool. You can use other tools. You know, you can say, hey, you know, I'm working as, you know, I'm working in an institution and like, you know, I'm working on, you know, Venom Evolution. I can, you know, I'm equally likely to say that. Hey, I'm working, you know, on Snake's Venom and this is what I think about Snake's Venom. But I'm not a Snake, like I'm not saying I'm a Snake Venom Specialist.
0: Sure, but it depends right? on, on how on how deep you want to go and how in... in... But you can still connect with the person. You can say, hey, I have PhD in Venom Evolution. You know? Yeah, well you connect with them in a different way. So but what I'm what I'm getting at, or what I want to get at, is that I mean is there a difference? And of course there is a difference, but essentially you're saying that we should treat ourselves and all humans as subjects and not objects. Because we need objects to label and again you know my view on the emptiness of, of, of words. Anyone who's been listening to the podcast mm-hmm. should should know that. You know, words do not intrinsically map properties in the world, but they are a very powerful the most powerful we have descriptive tool for chunking things in the world so that we can manipulate and interact with them and the reason that talking about other animals and how they don't need it is such a a non sequitur is the reason we've been able to do all that we've been able to do is because of the power of language Um, and I completely agree that there are a lot of difficulties that also come along with that because we we tend to misunderstand what exactly language is. We don't see it as a tool. We we build our entire world out of it, um, but we we need to label things in order to yeah. But you so you're saying yeah I need it that humans
1: i'm saying you should not label yourself you can still label others you know if Ah. if it works for you you can say hey you can say that that actor that played in that movie of that director you can say that but if you are that actor you don't have to put a label on yourself i am an actor
0: yeah but as you've sort of hinted why can't you say that I am an actor and I am a father and I am a golfer? I mean, there is, if you there, happen
1: to be. Yes, or, yes obviously, there is a difference between saying that. Yeah, there is there is a difference between saying as you know you're that and you know defining yourself as you're that, like you know building your identity around it. I'm not saying that you know, like there is obviously no difference between talking about something and, you know, identifying, you know, in yourself, within yourself, what you are. And my point only is about the way you build your identity for yourself inside yourself. And my point is that you should not build, you know, your identity based on the way people label you and based on the way you label yourself in conversations, or you know what you do, whatever you know. What are the labels applicable to you? Because it necessarily restricts what you are, and then it necessarily restricts what you will be able to do. Because then you will be necessarily act trying to act, trying to fit in within your own base idea of what you are. And I would even go, you know, as far as to say that will be probably somewhat stupid, and you will probably attack very soon <laughs> after that. But I will probably say that. One should not have an understand an identity of oneself at all. Mm.
0: Well, that's some way. That's a direction we could go, which would be interesting. There's another direction we could go, which is to talk. What you're really talking about is not necessarily just about the labels. It's you're talking about what people believe those labels to mean. Um, So it's using a label and thinking that it is mutually exclusive for other things or saying I'm a biologist and thinking that that describes everything that there is about you and that means you can't be all these other things. But I want to just quickly go back from that point to gender, which is that male and female, I am male, I am a man or I am a woman. See, unlike biologist, I am a biologist, but I can also be a philosopher and a you know a husband and ma- you know many other things which which are not at all encompassed by the fact that I'm a biologist and could be completely unrelated to it. I'm a guitarist, you know, uh, but mm-hmm. we go if we go back to categories like male and female, they seem to be mutually exclusive. It's it's also like you know you could think of many other examples. Saying I'm an atheist necessarily means that you are not a theist, right? So some, mm-hmm. although, of course, we could be quite you know, clever about that and we could say that you know, I, I am an atheist in, in this sense of the definition of the word atheist, but I actually identify with lots of the core categories of a theist as well. And in fact, so in some sense, I'm a theist because, again, these, none of these labels map things that are intrinsic properties of the world. That even atheist and theist can be quite overlapping. But I guess going back to gender... We have because it's anchored in this in biological sex which is generally a binary thing uh, of course there are there are exceptions to that there are people who are not just androgynous who don't just appear yeah uh, but there are people who actually are um, you know hermaphrodites but generally yeah. speaking and they
1: are like you know we have like, done, you know, X X Y chromosomes, and there sure. are people who have, you know, yeah. like all kinds of different
0: exactly, we know, so, yeah. But like so changes, but, but generally speaking, you, the two, so you, like, yeah, the sexes so seem to be like, mutually you know, exclusive.
1: Those guys, you know, they like they don't feed obviously in that idea because they're biologically different. So you can't, you know, assess them as males or females. In terms of biological sex, because they are different on the biological level, so your assessment has to include that. Yeah, but this, this uh, not however, that, yeah. the mature, this isn't uh, the point.
0: This isn't the point I was making. I mean, that was just an aside. The point I'm making is that yeah, some yeah, but labels. The point,
1: like, you know, but yeah, yeah, but then you know, like uh, then you have obviously biological sex in like you know XX and XY, and they are mutually exclusive. You can't be both at the same time. Mm-hmm. So. They have a meaning in that sense. So saying that you know, a person is a male would mean that he has, in this case, he has XY. And if a person is female, she will be XX. It has an intrinsic, you know, objective meaning to it. And as far as the usage of the words go, I would argue that uh, if you want to make a uh, like logically coherent, uh, meaning meaningful word gender it either has to have 7 billion definitions or it has to have only two. You can't have in between. So you can either tie it to biological sex and say this is just a biological sex, or you have to say this is individual experience. And then if it's individual experience, it is individual experience. But
0: now I think you are putting too much weight or too much um, onus. You're giving words too much responsibility. I think it's better which is more in line with your previous argument
1: if you want to make it it logically coherent right if you want to make it you know like consistent with you know all that we understand and know about reality you want to go like that you don't have to use it like this you know words don't have to be mapped like this right but if you want (laughs) this is in my understanding how um, you,
0: you should go. Yeah, so I, do, I, I think we just end up with exactly the same confusion that we began with, which is that biological sex <laughs> tends to be, you know, it, it is a, a real characteristic of the world that, you know, biological sex is generally speaking binary, but that the fact that various cultural institutions and practices, behaviours, etc., are gendered, are attached to one sex or another, to some degree, is socially constructed. But again, some of those things are much more strongly over historical time and for biological reasons, attached, associated with one of the biological sexes. I mean, there's no solution here, really, where you get... you you get to just resolve all the complexity with a a clever argument. Um, Mm. It's always going to... It's not always going to. I mean, I think we are very much moving... In a very pluralistic direction, and I think the big beat up about this issue at the moment is a teething problem of that process, because you still have older generations, or even you know, very conservative people in the younger generations that think that no, it has to be exactly like this, and when you use those word, that is exactly you know that word that is exactly what it maps in the real world, and that's the function of that word, and so don't misuse it. And then you have people that, in reaction to that. I mean, the thing is, people become very extreme on both of these perspectives, and they either go to this, you know, extreme, which is oh, word, labels are useless idea, which is a very bad idea, um, and that labels are completely yeah. meaningless. That's a very bad idea. Or they go to this, you know, other strong extreme, which is that no, this is exactly how it is, and if you deny this, you are simply wrong. Um, we we have that clash of extremes in a big way at the moment. And I think that that will just go on until it simmers down, essentially. And I think that we are moving in in a much more pluralistic direction. I think we will still be able to organise people into loose categories, and they are just loose categories based on the sexes. There are still likely to be things that are more male and things that are likely to be more female. So it's not necessarily a seven billion, you know, everybody is completely different. There are trends, um, so you don't have to go to that extreme. You can acknowledge the existence of trends, but also say that there are heaps of exceptions to those trends and that there's nothing wrong with that.
1: Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. And, I mean, yeah, you're right. I guess my, my what, what I'm saying and what my point is more about mm-hmm. is that more about the function of, you know, like changing of the definition, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the function of what, what we want to achieve with that. And it seems to me that the idea behind, you know, transgender or cisgender uh, Words is to acknowledge the you know individuality, and sure. that's what they actually going for, it uh-huh. seems to me at least. But my point is that you can't achieve that goal if you just you know create the larger cage. If you yeah. say there are you know the cage isn't you know two by two, it's four by four. Uh-huh. Well, still a cage.
0: Sure. You're so- still
1: within the cage. Yeah. And if you're especially if you're, it's like you know. There is a you're in the prison, and there is you know a turnkey, and he says, "Hey, a turnkey, I will you know beat you down by making a logic cage." And you're like, "Well, you're still inside the prison. <laughs> yeah. You're still you know you're still playing towards people's perception of the you know what you should do. You just say, I don't, I don't do X. I want to do you know like I don't want to do male thing. I want to do female thing.' It's still playing towards their perceptions. It's still playing towards societal prescriptions." Mm. So you are not, you know, if you're, you're just choosing different prescriptions, but you still allow society to control you, you're still trying to fit in, you're still, you know, going completely, you know, like, you know, even there are, if, if there are societal prescriptions. So basically, if there is a group. Who oppresses you and a group says you are not a male because you're doing you know this and this and this and you say yeah i'm not a male i'm a female because i'm doing this and this and this you're playing into their game sure I you're can... doing you're being dominated by them yes. you're doing exactly what they want you to do you just you know it's not it's not the win the win is to you know like decide to be whatever the will is to get out of the cage and if our this is our agenda with the words with the change of the word usage with the change of you know we address people we no longer say he should do this we say they should do this if we're talking about a person whose gender identity we're unsure of and this is great you know they is you know a good substitution for that so it seems that we have this goal of all inclusiveness and you know of all to acknowledge everyone's individuality then the idea that we can have you know transgender and cisgender stands on our way because mm. this idea is based on the idea that we're fighting against
0: so the real solution if there is a solution is to understand that words are a tool that labels are tools but that they are in you know the the Buddhist sense they are empty They do not map intrinsic categories in the world. Um, But, you know, the reason I bring up Buddhism specifically here is because you mentioned uh, something about the mistake is to create an identity at all. Um, So, in some sense, that's a core message of, of a lot of Buddhist teachings, which is that, you know, the illusion of the self. Um, The idea that I am this particular thing and really it is I am this particular verbal description is the source of much or the majority of our suffering. But I, I want to make that point and we can talk about that really quickly. But at the same time, I also just want to highlight that understanding that we are all playing a game in that you know, society is a game that we all play together. It is a it is a, a word game that we're all playing together. Doesn't mean that the best solution is to you know, in Timothy Leary's terms, turn on, tune in, drop out. Uh, it might mean that playing the game and knowing it's a game is the best way. To go forward, so mm-hmm. so you do drop out in a sense, you know, and and you know I, I'm doing little justice to Leary there because he wasn't really talking about dropping out in the sense that many people f- uh, feared, many conservatives that really hated that phrase feared. Um, but so again, playing the game might mean that in certain contexts you do still choose to embody and again you know gender is such a heated issue so you might really feel very strongly that you don't want to embody a certain degree of maleness you know quote unquote maleness or fem- or feminineness or femininity Um, in certain contexts but you do still decide to get up and go to work in the morning and you do still decide not to clash with your boss in certain ways because you recognise that there is a a functional hierarchy that exists there and there are many many ways in which you still choose to play the game because you make the decision that all things considered it's a game that's worth playing Uh, because the
1: old... say that you should we should just choose to change the game we should just you know uh destroy those rules and build you know upon the new rules and many I, people have like, said they will that. just you know I, I, sorry are you yeah <laughs> it, i mean they always failed always failed yeah. and, well, like with no exception well they fail every, they every, fail because every, they
0: attempt to do it in a utopian way because instead of realising that the rules are changing and will keep changing in an evolutionary fashion, they decide that they know that... I mean, this is your point, really, I guess, but they decide that they know the new set of rules and that all we have to do mm-hmm. is to rebuild society along this set of rules, and now everything will, be, now everything will, be, will but- be much better. It's always a utopian fallacy that, that makes those things yeah. sort of come a cropper.
1: And I guess, the, the, yeah, the problems the problems here is that the problem is that you know, yeah, you may, may think those set of rules will work, but they have never been tested, and you know, they will inevitably uh, not include the you know the entire complexity of human interactions. Of and course. if you, you know, like as you as you're saying, you know, that rules have to be evolutionary, like rules have to evolve. And yeah, I mean, they partially evolve through us, you know, demanding the change for the rules. Sure, but You, in order, if we want to continue as humanity, we—I mean, again, as you're saying—we have to continue playing the game of sociality. We have Mm -hmm. to interact with each other because this is what makes us humans, and this is, you know, what gives us all the good stuff that we want to have. Because, you know, individual human is just individual monkey. Exactly. Beer and rock maybe is the everything it can have.
0: All knowledge, growth, and all progress yeah, yeah. is is a collective venture. Yeah. And yeah, whenever some individual self-proclaimed genius thinks that they can solve all the problems in one fell swoop because they worked it out on their armchair in their armchair, or even worked it out by running a, you know a series of very very complex mathematical models or experiments on daphnia or, <laughs> or whatever, um, that's just not the way it ever has worked and i don't think that there's never any reason there's no reason to suspect that it ever will work that way let's just really quickly talk about this the idea Hold of on, well, i want
1: to, i want to finally expand on your on your uh, point so we have to you know accept that you know the rules are you know the rules we don't need to accept the fact that they will be always like that and we need you know if we want to change them we might as well strive to change them sure. but i would i would argue for the functional approach to kind of everything For the functional approach of identity as well, so you know your identity, everything within you, everything you know you build should serve you, should serve some you know purpose of you, should serve you know for the better life of you. So your identity should be tailored to your needs in any you know specific moment if you should you know wish to have identity. So. You should not, you know, um, accept the that your boss once you like sees you like this, so you should play it like this because he sees you like that. It's more like you playing it because it's the best functional approach. I guess I mean what if that's what you're saying. It still allows you to rebel where you think is you know appropriate or functional to rebel where it will make your life better. Sure, but you, but you, have, you, to should, be, you but have to be you have to be smart about. So, so you should not feel miserable when you're playing to, you know, to somebody who is more powerful than you. If you're playing to, you know, their game for your own sake, you should not feel miserable because you're doing it for your own sake. Yeah, so, for sure. Um... Like, and if you don't have a strong identity, you're, you know, you're like water. You're allowed to be this. They treat you like this, They, you know, but you're not that. They're thinking and your behavior does not define you
0: but you obviously have to be quite circumspect about the ways in which you rebel so you have to rebel mm-hmm. in ways that do not deviate from the rules of the game too sharply too you know too suddenly. Um, or or violate particular key norms. Otherwise, you find yourself not playing that particular game anymore. You find yourself set back. And I also make the the point that because it's a collective game, because it's a collective game, When you say, you know, you have to do the thing that's best for yourself in this context, that's true. But, you know, like the article or the the dialogue that I put on the blog most recently, that has to be a kind of enlightened selfishness. Because it's a collective game, doing what's really best for you, if you have really understood the most selfish course of action you will be doing what's best for all the people in your network as well yeah because you will you will yeah. succeed most um dramatically uh, you will have the yeah. greatest success if you have a collective form of success and that's that's also yeah. not a very you know easy thing for for people to understand intuitively so that again there isn't a simple answer here and people will continue to struggle with these issues of identity anyway let's put I-
1: I personally, just, just, just between you and me, I don't quite understand, and between people who listen to us, I guess, I don't quite understand why there is such an issue with people, you know, reconciling uh, that their individual best is almost always the societal best. Like, you know, if you're very rich and very alone, you're very unhappy. Mm. If you have really good friends, this is, you know, you feel really good. Like, you know, being around people you like, doing with them what you like to do with them. It can be, you know, it can be playing computer games. You still need people to give you that computer games. You need other people. You need other people to make, you know, milk in your milk bag to give you, you know, whatever, a car that you drive. You need those people. And if those people will all conspire against you. You will fail. You will die miserably. So... I really don't understand how it is such a, you know, trouble to see that your personal good is almost always, I would say even always aligned with, you know, societal good in one or another way. So when I say that one should act for his own good, I, you know, I mean rationally, I mean in a rational way and not Jordan Peterson's rational way, in the actual rational way in that, you know, you don't want to go and kill people because then you'll be put in prison, you'll be hunted down, right? So if you go against society, you will fail. So it's you in your own interest to be with society, not just because it will, you know, provide you with everything and it will kill you if you just go against it, but because the best moments of one's life are the moments shared with others, the ones that, you know... he or she wants to
0: share with sure i mean the reason i highlighted that is because it's it's not uh, intrinsically obvious to everyone when you say acting in your own best interest that you actually have all of this background and i will you know i also need to point out and then we're going to put a stop to this topic and really quickly talk about the self so you know just swallow whatever further thoughts you have on this topic um for another time but um Even if you have that theory, so you have that understanding, you know, we actually live at the level of individual interactions. And so some people don't trans, you know, some people don't have the theory, they don't transcend that level. And so they don't really see that, you know, quote unquote, the virtue of selfishness in the Ayn Rand sense. Like expansive, rational, enlightened selfishness, which is necessarily doing good for others, uh, they may not even see that. But even if you do see that, and even if you do have that theory, you are still living at the level of inter- individual interactions. And it, it is constantly a battle for most people, for the vast majority of people who are not, you know, saints in some way to manifest that kind of theory in all of their interactions because we're constantly getting irritated with other people. We're constantly feeling in direct competition with, with people. Uh, and, you know, that can complicate that very elegant idea of enlightened selfishness. But, yeah, let's just stop that topic there because <laughs> we're at the hour mark and just very quickly talk about the, the self And its function and whether or not it has a function. So, you know, you and I are both meditators and, you know, we're both interested in in Buddhist philosophy amongst other philosophies and a core component of Buddhist philosophy and a core um, outcome of Buddhist meditation techniques is recognizing the so-called illusion of the self. And, of course, there's lots of literature on this illusion of the self and what exactly it might mean. Um, but basically, and, and you know, this, this was something somewhat understood in, in Western philosophy as well, and, and you know, Hume is a, is a notable example of someone who went into his own psyche, who became who was deeply introspective, and went in search of the self, and all he could find was contents of consciousness, and none of those was, in fact, a self. And that's essentially the the realization that you can have in meditation, is that you cannot find this core to your consciousness that is in any sense unchanging. When you go in deep, it's all change, it's all impermanence. Um, and that, that fits nicely with the idea that you were saying that people shouldn't have this defined identity you know they shouldn't take these labels on and use them to build an identity out of and believe that you know this is in fact me but just really we'll have a a bigger discussion about the illusion of the self or the self in general on on another podcast but just really want to touch on the idea that sure enough if you meditate uh you can certainly have this experience of realising that you are a you know a locus of perception, a locus of awareness, that there's only the contents of consciousness, including thoughts, which just arise, and there's no self that is the thinker of those thoughts as such. Um, you can have that realisation, but does that mean, well, this is a more technical question for a longer discussion another time, but does that mean that the self, in fact, does not exist? um and i know i would up- agree
1: i would i would uh, say mean, that it does I exist in some it sense it does exist
0: okay cool that's good um so yeah. having said that define, is is it I therefore define, hold on let's, yeah. let's let's not go there because that's just more technical that that's a good enough answer to answer the question that i'm going to ask which i think we should end on but is it therefore the case that this thing which is a process which is not some you know unchanging core etc is a functional process so is part of what we actually need to play the human game the game of sociality um, and therefore do people actually need to take these concepts into themselves and build a self in order to function in a society which is built from such concepts in the first place
1: no i would disagree with that <laughs> uh yeah i like you know it's a functional concept as long as you know in a way that if an individual committed a crime, then we can trial you know him or her thirty years later, and it's that is the same individual. So, in we it's individual in terms of continuity of actions, but I would define a self as a continuity of awareness, mm. and so these the only thing that divide you know defines the self is that it's still the same continuity of awareness. So, like there is nothing else that comes from you know point of birth to point of death except for this you know more or less continuous awareness of the same like instances the same instance of awareness
0: mm-hmm.
1: and, and that's it's like you and then you can say that at any given moment all contents of that awareness all of them is me in that exact moment mm-hmm. but it's not me in my life in my life the only thing that is me in my life is that continuous source continuous uh instance of awareness
0: sure okay so we'll we'll,
1: singularity of that awareness basically
0: sure i mean we'll get into that stuff more on on a future podcast talking about the self and and again you know revisiting consciousness but talking you know focusing on the self but so you are saying because you kind of brush this off that the concept structure of the self, which is the self with a capital S that the Buddhists are really talking about, it's something built out of out of concepts that you identify with. It's a, like a verbal construction in some sense. Um, you are saying that that thing is not doing any work. It's not a functional yeah. construct.
1: Yeah, we might be like, you know, like again, look... You know, our society may be built so as to function with this. So it might be, you know, for all I know, maybe this is an intrinsic part of our society in the way it is. But I don't believe it. And I would think that you can have a perfectly functional society without any of that. And I would even think that you can have, you know, still society very, very close to ours in terms of its good stuff without having any of the concept of self from the big ass.
0: Okay, so, well, the, one, Bro, of, one yeah, of the... Impo- that's
1: where the concept of self goes. Rob a <laughs> huge ass. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay, go on.
0: Well, okay, so one of the key things, I guess, about the, this Buddhist concept of the self and, and the kind of self that in, in cognitive science these days, it's, it's much more common to, to hear people saying that this is illusory. Um, one of the core um, alleged you know, properties of this self thing Is that it that it well is that it has intrinsic properties and intrinsic properties by definition, like an essence, you know, things that do not change. But some people now like to talk, some philosophers of mind, and even some people who are, you know, very well informed by the Buddhist tradition like to talk about the self as something that exists but lacks. Intrinsic properties, lacks essential properties, and is therefore a process. So, again, it could be structured from concepts, but it's fluid. It's not, you know, I am a biologist and I am forevermore a biologist and and this is exactly what a biologist is. All concepts there might be fluid and they might be open and overlapping and dynamic. So, impermanence might be... um, Preserved, which is an ironic way of putting that, the the concept of impermanence might still be part of this construct of the self. Um, do you think that there's any work done by such a thing? And if not, how come it's such a ubiquitous component of consciousness? Okay,
1: okay. I think there is work done by this, is because you know it links you to, <coughs> or you know, whoever you try to identify, it links uh, that person with you know other. Uh, fields or you know other actions, and it kind of allows you to, under- quote-unquote, understand what that person is capable of and what to expect from that person. So it basically, you know, obviously reduces the uncertainty about what that person sh- will be well, doing on, in the on. future. Now you're talking about the... All,
0: all, hang on, hang on, hang on. Uh? Well, I don't think it's irrelevant. I think it's very relevant. But to be clear, you are talking about your concept of the selves of others you know you are talking about yeah. um defining others as selves rather than talking yeah, yeah. about the work done by your yeah. own self I mean, yeah. and yeah, of course yeah, many, yeah, you know, many philosophers but, but, have suggested that the reason we have a concept of personal self is precisely this that we have needed to define yeah, yeah. That's, others that's where, like
1: i was i was going to have a breach yeah yeah like okay. this i was going to have a breach that. You know, in the same vein, you know, you were it allows you to predict yourself. Mm-hmm. But why, boy, did that to hell with that? Like, you know, why should like, you know, it's only the fear that you will do something irresponsible or something ridiculous mm. that you need to define yourself and be, you know, aware of to respect yourself and like to you know to know what to, to expect of yourself. So like no you know like the you can you're still in control of it at any given time of your life you make individual decisions mm. so your expectations about future you have nothing to do with that intrinsically you obviously you know when you are labeling yourself you're obviously constraining what you're capable of by constantly reinforcing that you know this is what you will be doing or this is what you won't be doing and if that's what you want to do that's fine by me but I want to be free, and I want to be free to be whatever I need in any given moment, but I'm not afraid that at any, at some moment I will do something that I'm disagreeing with, because if I'm disagreeing with that action, I will be disagreeing with that action in the moment, so I won't just do it, because why would I do something that I don't want to do? Or if I'm no longer disagreeing with that action, that's also fine, because I've changed my mind, and I should allow myself to change my mind. Sure. So. Because that means that I have better reasons to know, and I know better. So I will be doing it in a different way then. Sure. I mean,
0: again, I, I clearly agree with all of that. And I think that that is a way that a lot of people talk about doing away with the illusion of self. But I think, and again, we'll, we'll save this for another, we'll wrap it up now and we'll save this for, for another conversation. I think that there's a, still a deeper conversation to be had there about the the self um, and also well yeah maybe we shouldn't go there but I think that there are interesting reasons why the capital S self uh, for people coming out of a, or influenced by a, a particularly Buddhist point of view there are reasons why people try or are motivated to undermine the reality with a capital R of the self rather than the reality of Everything, uh, but let's let's not go there now. Let's just just wrap it up, okay? Um, we, we, we can talk about the self on on a, on another on a, on a very soon podcast because I see we have a lot to talk about there.
1: Yep. All right,